here so we don't get fined with your hosts, Thomas Sarver and David Cowan. Yes. Uh, hello. Welcome back. We are excited to be back. We got some stuff to talk about in our absence. Some stuff has happened. Uh, so it? we'll talk about that. And then we will get into uh, some hypothetical stuff. Maybe. That could happen. That could. But let's stick to the stuff that did happen first. Let's start with stuff that happened a while ago. I want to introduce something to you. It's a new uh, thing. I'm talking very quiet right now. Hello. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Project. It's a new segment. Don't yell. I'm not yelling. I'm projecting. What's the matter with you? What, What do you want me to do? I want you to just speak how you normally speak. It's semantics. It's... Anyhow, I thought it would be fun to start a little reoccurring segment on this day in sports history, if you will. So, and uh, it seems like there's a lot of options to choose from every day because a lot of sports stuff has happened in the history of our presence on the earth, like people. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been the most clunky way you could have said what you just said. Well, how would you have said it? A lot of stuff regarding sports has happened since the existence of sports. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. A lot of stuff has happened since our presence on Earth as humans. That's not what I sound That's like. That's verbatim what you said and exactly what you sounded that like. That is not remotely close to what I sound like. It's exactly what you sounded Whatever. like. Whatever. And this day, April 4th, 5th, 4th, 4th, 4th. Today yes. is April 4th. <laughs> On April 4th, 1967, Wilt Chamberlain set an NBA record with 41 rebounds in a game. That's ridiculous. That man. record does not stand, though. Can you guess what the number is now? 41 is not the number for the most rebounds in a game. That is correct. It's 52. Can I guess who broke it? Yeah. Someone who boarded a lot, right? Yeah. Shaq. No. Dirk. Nope. Duncan. Nope. Larry Bird. Nope. Magic Johnson. Nope. When was it broken? Uh, I believe it was in 1970. Oh, son of a biscuit. I don't know. Uh, 1960. 1960. Sorry. Then I, wait, when did it get set? Uh, well, When did Wilt break it? Update. This, this, this website is no longer trusted. <laughs> and it, well, do you I, remember I who broke it? Was it was 55 and I do know who broke it. Who broke it? Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, he broke his own most rebounds in a game yep. record. Yep. Wow. I guess I should have guessed that. I think that this man my, scored hundred points. I think that game. was supposed to say 1957 instead of 67 because it was set in 1960. 55 rebounds against the Boston Celtics. Wow. Yeah. The more you know, bro. Will Chamberlain? I don't think, like. We, we can debate top five mm-hmm. all day long in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Uh, why don't we ever talk about Will, bro? Like, I understand. He played in a different era. He was literally one of 
two guys who were good in his era. Like, I get it. But also, like, he put up 100 points in one game. That's ridiculous. I'm pretty sure he did it more than once, too. I don't think so. I think he only did it once. 100 points. I don't know, dude. The NBA back then was wild. There were no rules. Yeah, no one ever scored 100 points. (laughs) I mean, no one ever got 50 rebounds, either. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm just saying. Did you see uh, Damian Lillard? When he scored 70, he was on an interview the next day. Did no. you see that? He basically goes, bro, you scored 70 points. That's crazy. And he goes, yeah, I'm pissed. And he said, why? He goes, I missed 14 shots. I could have had more. I should have had at least 80. I was like, all right, Dame. I like, I like, the, <laughs> the, I like the attitude. Yeah, yeah. I like the attitude. But, but uh, yeah, I figured that was fitting. You know, that's an obs- Could you imagine if today that stat line dropped? Uh, we would not hear anything else on ESPN for at least yeah, a month. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 48 and then 55 rebounds yeah. in one single game. 48 yeah. minutes. That's... Russell Westbrook ain't got nothing on that. That's nutty. To an, to an extreme degree. But, I, you know, yeah. I figured that was a fitting uh, fact factoid given the conclusion of... The month of basketball. Basketball Awareness Month. March. March Madness? Yeah. Why? Why are you saying things like you've never spoke the English language before? Is it not Basketball Awareness Month? No. Are you sure? No, but I don't think that's a real thing. I mean, there's a lot of basketball going on in the month of March. Like, it seems like we're all pretty, like, let's dictate our lives to the sport one twelfth of the year every year you know like i'm just saying if not feels like a missed marketing opportunity by the nba if you ask me interesting because the nba has nothing to do with march madness i mean in a way it does it doesn't i mean in a way the ncaa has everything to do with march Madness. both have nna in it (laughs) also where do these players go after they leave the NCAA, most of them to nine to fives. The, rev, the I'm talking. You, you stop being difficult. Only one of us can be difficult at a time, and I am very clearly the one that is being difficult. That's fair. Okay. That is fair. Okay. I need you to get on this train. Okay. I'm sorry. You can be the difficult one from now on. Yeah. Good. That's all I want. Is that but too we, much to ask for? We did talk about Oscar Robinson, and so now. We can really? transition into basketball. No, we did not talk about Oscar Robinson. Not Oscar Robinson. Will Chamberlain. Yeah. I was thinking of other guys from that era. Actually, I think Oscar Robinson was a little bit after that. But Yeah. Anyway, you mentioned Russell Westbrook earlier, and it made me think of Oscar Robinson. Why? Because everyone compares the two. They were both triple-double machines. Okay, but one was a forward, the other is a guard. I know the tallest one on the court is probably the center. That's about all I know about basketball positions. You are so full of it. It is ridiculous. That's, I mean, that's a fact. I don't, I don't know anything about positions in basketball. Who carries the ball into the uh, offensive zone? Point guard. Yeah. Okay. See, there you go. That's I just named. I can name them all. But yeah, but you just, you just proved that you know at least double of what you said you. Own, but that was a know. guess. But, like, you got it right. But it was a guess. Okay. So now I know double. Listen, listen, listen. If my teacher can 
give me the benefit of the doubt and assume that I knew what I was talking about when I guessed the answer correctly, the same thing can happen to you. But they're two entirely different situations. Only with that attitude. They're the same situation in different contexts. Anyway! <laughs> That's all it is. How have we gotten to where we are right now in this Because podcast? you refuse to talk about March Madness. March Madness just happened. Yep. And uh, It's over. It seemed like the women's game got a lot more attention this year than the boys' game. Yeah. And so we'll end on that because there's good reason. But... Uh, we'll start with the men. So, for the fir- first of all, this is the first time in NCAA history that a Final Four has not included a 1, 2, or 3 seed. Now, going into it, UConn was really the only team that was, like, should be there, quote-unquote. Yeah. UConn, despite being a 4 seed, they were ranked at, uh, at one point during the season as number one in the country. They were really good, had a bit of a fall-off, but... Nonetheless, when you looked at the four teams that were in, UConn was the only one that was really like, they should be here. And, as it turns out, the final ended up being UConn versus San Diego State, and it wasn't much of a game. Uh, San Diego State tried to rally back at the end, so the end score does not look as um, close as the game actually was. But UConn wins it. Uh, The team that has dominated the women's national championship has also come to the men's side and become the best team in the NCAA winning March Madness bracket. Uh, One of the many things that the vast majority of people probably got wrong on their bracket. Yeah. Uh, But congrats to the men. I will say this. Say it. There was a lot of Cinderella teams this year, quote unquote. Yeah. Obviously, the Final Four did not include a single one, two, or three seed. seed. Um, And so, like, I've said it in the past. The Cinderella story is something we like more in theory than actual practice. It showed when San Diego State played UConn. But also it showed with ratings. A lot of people say, oh, Cinderella story. This was the least watched Final Four in, like, 60 years or something like that. Or, like... That, that might be a hyperbole, but like in a very long time. I don't remember exactly what it said, but this is one of the least watched Final Fours ever and definitely the least watched in decades. I think... Because people want, people say Cinderella story, but they don't actually want it. Can I... Here's... here's I'm going to interject here. Do it. Uh, so the numbers are what they are. There's no point arguing those because they are what they are. I think in theory... That people want the Cinderella teams when it's like what we saw in college or in college football this year, the playoff, how it was three heavy hitters, one Cinderella team, as opposed to basically four Cinderella teams in the final, you know, making yeah. the final. Because, like, no one wants to watch TCU beat Kansas State for the National College Football Championship. What people do want to see, though, is like a Alabama that's been steamrolling people all year go head-to-head and it be a tug-of-war the entire match. That's the thing, though. It's never a tug-of-war. No, it's not. Like we and saw with TCU and Georgia. Yeah, no, no. Like, I'm, it, and it's, it's tragic because, like, it's... 
This is one of those things where you can sit back and prove without a fraction of doubt that's like that these games aren't rigged. Yeah. Because like when betting became legal, we saw this massive like flow of oh, games are going to be rigged now and then this yeah. Arian Foster with the script like if they were rigged. That was a really funny meme for a while. Players were getting in on it like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like if it actually was script, if scripted, if it actually was rigged, we'd see a lot more of these storybook matchups. And not that there isn't like any matchup you can pull storylines from. Yeah. But like we're talking like for instance, the Giants Patriots when the Giants won the Super Bowl. That was a like yeah. we'd see that more often. Well, and I I'm thinking like just historically you have that, right? Yeah. But then, like, other than that, the the closest thing I can come to is, like, the Bengals a couple years ago in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Everyone, like, they, the Rams sold their the future of their franchise for that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, they were supposed to be there. Yeah. The Bengals were projected four wins. The Bengals were the Bengals. we were like, oh, they'll lose next week. And they, they weren't didn't. supposed to make it to the playoffs, let alone make it through the Bills, make it through the Chiefs, make it through these, like, really tough teams and made it a real like to the very last whistle had a chance to win the game that was an awesome super bowl to watch the giants patriots super bowls were both great super bowls to watch i just feel like those are the exceptions not the rule yes but whenever there's a chance for the exception it's natural for people to root for it but corralling it back in i think it does it's like the it's on the other hand when you have a final four of four cinderella teams because there's no big bad for them for you to root against no that's true that's true but uh it did suffer a lot on the other hand the most viewed women's national championship ever 5.5 concurrent viewers 9.9 total viewers 5.5 concurrent viewers and 5.5 million you didn't say the million. Did I not say the million? 5.5 no, million. Here, here's what you said. You said 5.5 concurrent viewers with a max of nine. No, no, sorry. My bad. <laughs> it was like, wow, that really is the most viewed. <laughs> the women's final. championship had the the highest concurrent viewership was 5.5 million. Meaning at one time, almost 6 million people were watching this game. And the total number of views is 9.9 million. This is women's college basketball. So I know what you're thinking, David, why? Because Caitlin Clark might be the greatest college basketball player of all time. They got not the, women's. The sport got the villain it needed. This woman is the first player in NCAA history to have a 40 point triple double. Yeah. Hear me. Not first female, the first player in NCAA history to have a 40 point triple double. So she had to cool down, right? No. Next game had 41 points. Mm-hmm. 82 total points in two games. So the next game, the championship, she had to cool down, right? No. At one point, had 14 of her team's 20 points. And then because of incompetent refs and foul trouble, had to not play as much or as aggressively, but still finished leading both teams with 30 points despite her team losing by 19. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Clark was... Must watch. To, at one point, our friend Webb texted me, said, hey, are you watching this game? I was like, no, absolutely not. He's like, bro, Caitlin Clark is a sight to behold. So I was like, ah, whatever. 
So I just pulled it up on my phone, and I was like, oh, what are you looking at? Uh, oh, there's a bug. I'm trying to figure out. Oh, it's a mayfly. I was trying to figure out if it was a mayfly or a wasp. Nah, bro. Skeeter eaters are good guys. Yeah. But anyway, distraction over. Um, and so I look up, and I'm, I look up. I start watching the game. I'm watching her play. I'm like, dang, she's good. I look at what she's done in this tournament, and I was like, dang, she's good. And so I find myself watching this game mm-hmm. on my phone. Like, I got something on in the background while I'm watching Caitlin Clark play incredible basketball. This girl can freaking play. She's like Sabrina Inescu, but better. And she's not even done with college. She's still coming back to college for another year. Uh, she had the most points uh, in one tournament in NCAA history. She played absolutely phenomenally. Back-to-back 41-point games. Caitlin Clark, just like taking shots from the logo and absolutely draining them just for fun, took out uh, the almost single-handedly, not single-handedly, but scored half of her team's points in taking out uh, South Carolina, who are the back-to-back NCAA women's champions and Don Staley, who's arguably the greatest college basketball or the women's college basketball coach uh, of the last 15 years. Like it is incredible what she was able to do, what that Iowa team was able to accomplish with her. And if they can add more pieces, cause you look at the box score and it's very lopsided, yeah. right? Like Caitlin Clark has 40 and the next closest person has 12. Yeah. So if they can add even Some one or depth. two more pieces to that team, I don't see how Iowa's not one of the favorites going into the next year. But it was a very exciting women's game. Uh, not as exciting, but still exciting. Like the fact that there was shakeup, no one through three seeds in the final four, still exciting. San Diego State beating Alabama, still exciting. Um, but it was all in all a pretty good, pretty good month for. Uh, NCAA both men's and women's basketball. Hey, that's good. Uh, I want to say something. I loved Caitlin Clark's uh, attitude on the court where, you know, she was doing the John Cena. At one point there was a player with the ball dribbling dribbling at the three-point line and she just did this like <laughs> forget about it motion when it came to that guarding her. Nutty, bro. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand... I have a problem. Okay. Uh, LSU has a player named Angel. Yeah. Who was given it right back to Caitlin Clark. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's been kind of roasting her. Not roasting her, but they've been coming at her for yeah. their life. I, and I, I don't understand it. I guess she said some things that didn't really make a whole lot of sense after the game. Where she implied that uh, she had taken offense to Caitlin Clark... Uh, and her actions throughout the entire tournament and felt disrespected by it or something like that. And No, what she said was Caitlin Clark was disrespecting other people. Yeah. And she doesn't take disrespect. So she was. what she said was, Iowa's not going to come in and defend us like that. They're not going to disrespect us like that. You're not going to leave a girl. You're not going to give a girl eight feet of space around the key because we're draining that. Yeah. You're not going to defend us like that. Um, and then Caitlin Clark came out and said, we're not going to defend you guys the same way we did South Carolina. That would be stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think in a lot of situations with multiple people, 
Uh, a lot of different people have opinions. Yeah. And I think what you have to look at the most is the people who are involved in the situation. And Caitlin Clark did an interview yesterday. And someone asked her about that girl. Angel, uh, what is her? Her last name escapes me. Yeah, me too. But someone did a... Kelly? Uh, Angel Kelly? No, that's not it. But they asked her about that. And she asked her how she felt about the whole, like, everything that she was doing. And she said, I love it. Like, it's competitiveness. I've been doing the same thing. I, like, I did the same thing the whole tournament. I took no offense to it. Um, there's, I got no beef with her. Uh, she did exactly the same thing I was doing, and her team ended up coming out victorious. I think that's competitiveness. I think that shows passion for the game. I absolutely love it. And then the other girl also did an interview, and they asked the same question. Do you have anything against Caitlin Clark? How do you feel about this? And she said basically the same thing. I have nothing against Caitlin Clark. It was the competitiveness. We were going up against each other. It shows how passionate we both are. So, like, I have seen a lot of criticism of this LSU player, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Because, like you said, Caitlin Clark has been doing the same thing, which I love. Like, Boogie Cousins, for a long time, was one of my favorite players in the NBA. Was it because he was one of the best? Absolutely not. But it was because the man could trash talk Better than anyone I've ever heard of my... The stuff that came out of his mouth was stupid. And yeah. I loved it. I love that. Because like they said, like both of them said, it shows passion. It shows you are not going quietly into this good night. You are absolutely here for every last second, every last shot, every last battle, uh, one-on-one, being double-teamed, whatever it is, you're here for it and you want all the smoke. And I, th- I love that. I yeah. love, love, love that attitude. I also think on a court pitch or field, what's quote-unquote labeled as disrespectful is different. So, like, I think you can – there's actions you can take on a playing surface that, like, had you – if you take away the context of the playing surface, is disrespectful. Yeah. Like, but – and, like, don't get me wrong. Like, there are points where it goes beyond – that like trash talk chirping into disrespectful, like uh, Allen Iverson step over of Ty Lue. That was disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, it was. Sean Avery dropping and doing push-ups after scoring a goal, not disrespectful. I don't know what you're referring to there. Uh, Sean Avery scored a goal on the Preds after hanging around the crease and then drop and started doing push-ups on the ice for his goal celebration. How do you do? push-ups with ice skates on i mean it's the toe you know how does it not slip I, what do you mean you can you can be on the ice and not slide you just got to be more intentional about your placement yeah but like imagine the other your toes day, up and down on ice and you moving your body up and down the other day when we were on the ice playing broom ball i made a crazy save and then did push-ups as my celly you can't do push-ups. I can do and, push-ups. Uh, you also fell about 15 times. And you fell about 30, so... I fell three total times. I fell twice. Four. I fell four. I fell twice, and one of them was pseudo-intentional. Oh, I fell four, and one of them pseudo-hurt the crap out of my yeah, knee. Yeah, yeah, Very painful day of playing but hockey. But it was a ton of fun, too. But, like, what I'm saying is, like, where... 
dunking, not dunking on someone because they, you know, different sport. Where like immediately celebrating in someone's face is just disrespectful. In the context of sport, there's more to it than that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think big talk is big talk, and I love it. Like when you can't back it up. Like like we've seen Draymond Green in the past talk a big game and then get thirty points scored on him. I think that's hilarious, but, like, I don't fault Draymond. Like, what are you going to say? Oh, I'm scared of these guys? Like, no, you're not. You're coming. You're showing you're ready for anything. And even if you're not, like, again, Iowa lost by, like, 19. I'm not mad at anything Caitlin Clark did. I'm not mad at anything that the LSU player did. And it seems like both of them understand and have a healthy respect for one another. And I think that's ultimately what matters. Even if you are scared of the upcoming opponent, you sure can't tell them. Exactly. Like, like, look at how much flack Sam Darnold got for saying, I'm seeing ghosts. Yeah. Right? Granted, I kind of blame NFL films. He didn't come out in an interview say that. He didn't do it. He was mic'd up and he said it and people released it. And I think yeah. that was kind of dirty. Setting up your quarterback for yeah, failure there. That was kind of dirty. But, uh, point is, you can't admit. Like, I, I've always admired Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't say anything in his press conferences like says they a could lot of been, words but not a single sentence yeah when they were 14 and though they could have been playing an 0 and 14 team and bill belichick would have said good team we know they're better than their record we're gonna show up we're gonna fight we're gonna prepare the same blah 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 or his team could be 0 and 14 going up against a 14 and 0 team and he'd say the same exact thing they're a good team we can beat them. We know what to do. We're gonna practice it. And we're gonna go out, and we're gonna we're gonna send them home with an L. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, Bill Belichick has the same message for every team, and I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, college basketball it was pretty fun. Speaking of uh, Bill Belichick and dominance, it is weird that I watched more women's college basketball than men's this year, but I think that might be the future. They also score more. The games are more fun. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, in hockey, there is another team in that area that is producing some dominating results. In case you missed it. The, the Preds. No. Are 500 right now. Go ahead. The Boston Bruins are in striking distance of the greatest season ever played. What I mean by that is like points and a record. So right now, the Red Wings have the greatest season a team has with a 62-13 and 7 tie record. That gave them 130. Yeah. They had ties back then? Yeah. They had ties until uh oh, the 05 lockout. Oh, thank God they changed that. Yeah. Uh they had 131 points. Okay. They scored 325 goals and let in 181 goals. (laughs) That was an 82 game. So to to put that in perspective, that's 3.9 goals for and 2.2 goals allowed per game. The Boston Bruins, this year's Boston Bruins, have five games to catch up. They currently have a 60-12 and record with five overtime losses. So that's 125 points. Five games to... They won three. They tie it. The they've, they've lost. 
They've played eighty or uh, seventy-seven games. Yes, they have lost less than twenty. Yes, that's ridiculous. Yes, that is obnoxious. Also, uh, if you wanted to know more about the Boston Bruins' dominance, they're the fastest team ever to fifty wins. They're the fastest team ever to hundred points, and they are the third fastest team to clinch the President's Trophy. That means the fewest games played to clinch the trophy. Fourth fastest team. Yeah. This Bruins team is ridiculous. Now, keep in mind, eight only eight of the last 36 President's Trophy winners have gone on to win the Stanley Cup. Yep. But... It's almost like a curse. But this feels different, though. Like, like this isn't the Caps. No. A couple years ago when they won back-to-back President's Trophies. Because right. they won by what six seven points? Yeah, no. This is a this is domination. This is a Bruins team with a goalie playing out of his mind. Multiple yep. goalies playing really well. This is a Bruins team with the best. Uh, why does this guy's name always pasta? David Pasternak. Um, the best Pasternak has ever looked in his career, and yep. he's already looked phenomenal. This is a team whose old guys are playing like young guys. This is a team that has, like, what is it, like 70-plus higher than the next goal differential? Yeah. Like, this team doesn't just look like any other President's Trophy winner. They're going to be 30 points ahead when the season's freaking over. Yeah. Like, this team is not just a team that happened their way into the President's Trophy. This is a team that has been nothing short of absolutely dominant. So, you know the team with the best all-time record. You know the team with the third best all-time record as it stands. Can you guess the team that has the second all-time record? Colorado Avalanche. No. Would you like the year? Also the Detroit Red Wings. No. Okay. Would you like the year? Go for it. 2018-2019. Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep. This was the year they got swept in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets. There you go. Yeah. Dang. uh, So maybe I'm wrong. uh, Well, (laughs) Maybe the Bruins will fail. They are three points. We can only hope Boston's They are three points back from setting or tying the uh, Lightning's record. Six points total. And they have five games? Yeah. I'll do that. So, to put this into perspective, if they win three of their last five games, which we are led to believe that they should, if not more, if they lose an OT once and that for those other two games, then they have the record for the best season of all time. That's pretty wild, man. Yeah. This brew... I, I, I think we, like, we need to understand how incredible this is yeah like the nhl's been around a long time yeah over 100 years the the things that the boston bruins are doing this year are nothing short of incredible this is if there is a year this is the year that uh boston wins the cup yeah and like going into this season we kind of knew that it was this year or bust for Boston to get another cup for a while because they're about to lose a lot of talent due to expiring deals, retirement, etc. Like, this is the let's run it back one more season. And usually, like, we see teams do that have success to a degree. But to see them not only just have success but blow the doors off the rest of the competition, yeah, 
I mean, it's it's exciting for more old hockey heads than anything. Yeah. Uh, other hockey stuff. Connor McDavid is unreal. Connor McDavid is stupid good at hockey. Yeah. Uh, New Jersey has kept it up, man. They have 106 points, 49, 21, and 8. Still playing really well. Third in the league right now. Uh, Carolina, who was my before the season uh, pick to win the Stanley Cup, is uh, 109 points, second place in the league, 50, 18, and 9. Yeah. Uh, man, this is stupid. <laughs> what? I mean, Carolina in 77 games has won 50 of them. Yeah. And, and they're 14 points below the Boston freaking Bruins. Well, that's because Boston in 77 <sighs> games has won 60 of them. This is, uh, sorry, just looking at it yeah, on it really, on the, the phone makes it so much more real. Yeah, but like if you're looking at like what you were saying earlier about goal differentials, if you look at like positions two through five and goal difference leaders, it's like around 50, give or take one or two. Yeah. Then you look at Boston. Who have a a plus one hundred and twenty goal differential? Like this is forty no, sixty seven higher than Carolina at fifty three. And like it's just, I mean, Carolina's got one hundred and nine points. They've got their division in their hands. Yeah, it's wild, man. Um, there are a couple of surprising things right now in the world of hockey. For example, uh, the Washington Capitals. Currently 10 points out of a wild card spot, making it very unlikely that they make the postseason. Well, well they did sell a little bit at the deadline, trading yeah. away Hathaway and Orlov to the previously mentioned Boston Bruins. That's a huge hit. Like, yeah. They made some moves. Pittsburgh is also jockeying um, the Islanders. One point currently out of a playoff spot, which is. Well, tied, wild. tied with the Islanders and the Panthers. No. No, no, no. I meant like tied. Like, sorry. My English got poor. I was about to say, no, they're one point out. Uh, they're <laughs> one point behind jockeying for that last wild yeah. card spot with the Islanders and the Panthers. Yeah. It's been, um, a, t- it's been a tough year for Florida. Yeah. Uh, and I'd also say it's been a tough year for Calgary. Calgary is two points out of the playoff spot right now. And even though they lost to Chuck and Gaudreau, with that trade that they made with the Panthers, I think everyone was kind of expecting both teams to almost come out stronger. Definitely is surprising, don't get me wrong. But I don't think it's as surprising as Florida struggles. Which like Currently they are in a wild card spot, but only one point And they clear. have been... They have been struggling, um, dude. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't think Calgary's loss is quite as surprising. Or Calgary's where they're Slip. at. Yeah. Quite as surprising as Florida's. Uh but I'm I'm genuinely shocked at both Washington and Pittsburgh. Because Washington or Pittsburgh's right there, but Washington's yeah. just having a bad season. And they got Laviolette, who if we well, know anything is good a good coach. It's looking like Lavi will not be extended. Which is I mean, fair. Uh, apparently, and like there's like this hasn't been said. I'm just giving you like the cliff notes. I'm gonna tell you some things. I want you to tell me where like what sticks out to you. Okay. 
Uh, Dmitry Orlov, after being traded to Boston, mentioned how he had uh, he took offense to Lavi's consistent scratching of Alexei Offensev. Often, yes, often he's a he's a Russian defensive prospect. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov has voiced pro like issues to the point of wanting to be traded, not wanting to work with Lavalette. Uh, Jacques, not uh, Jacques No, Vrana was in Detroit. What player am I trying to think? Point is, uh, while it hasn't been said that there's a issue with Lavi and a lot of the Russian players in DC, a lot of the Russian players in DC have been the ones to voice uh, issues. So I'm not like it's not like there's been a report coming out saying like Lavi doesn't like Russians or anything like that, but there's a trend. I mean, I will, I don't know that I would call three people a trend. I mean, like you can find a lot more than three people who can't stand Bill Belichick, and you can find yes. a lot more who will come to his defense until his dying day. I worked with a guy who. A lot of people hated a boss that I had. A lot of people did not like him. And other people loved him. It was one or two. Um, and this is years ago. But um, I think it. I think the way some people coach rubs some people the wrong way. Yeah. Just like this guy that I worked for. The way he ran stuff, I think it came... Uh, the way it came across, some people didn't like. Some people respected and loved. I'm one of those people. I like everything he did. He did for the betterment of what we were doing. I don't want to say anything to like, right. but like uh, everything but, that he did, it seemed harsh at the time. I, yes, like I was a victim. Like I got yelled a victim. I I don't mean to. Victim's not what I mean, but like I got yelled at for something that I didn't do. I got tasked with doing something that was not my fault. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was there, but he had a standard. And if that standard was broken, he took it personally because other people would suffer when that standard got broken and he wasn't about that. And so because of that, I loved and respected it. It's the same with Bill Belichick. People love the way he coaches because it gets results. It might be hard, it might be tough. It might rub some people the wrong way, but it gets results. So I I don't know enough about Lavi, other than the fact that he has a stellar record as a coach. He's a Stanley Cup winner. He took a Preds roster that did not deserve to be a President's Trophy winner to win the President's Trophy. He took a wild an eight seed wild card team with forty one wins all the way to the Stanley Cup. So like. I feel like if there was a real issue, it would be more than three guys coming out. Well, I, again, I'm just, you know, drawing my own conclusion. But outside of that, there have also been reports of issues with... Uh, I don't want to say issues with communication, but it appears that Lavi and the management, the front house management of Washington, have not been on the same page for a while. And it has caused tensions to rise. That I can believe. Because, like, the only the only thing that can make sense to me is why we lost Lavi, the Preds. Mm-hmm. It ha- had to be. Nothing other than miscommunication or a problem between Poyle and Lavi. Because 
even where we were at when he got fired was either right where we were or even maybe a little better than where we were for Barry Trotz's entire 20-year career as the Preds coach. Here's my... Like, we weren't bottom of the table. We weren't even as bad as we are right now when Lavi got right. fired. Here's... I'm pretty sure we were in a playoff spot when here's, Lavi got fired. Here's my standing on it. And we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum off the pod. Nice! There's your word for the day. It means a lot. <laughs> it does not mean a lot. Does it not? <laughs> and nausea means like to its extent, like as much as it can. Like you talk a about, lot. you. it has been talked about as much. Like when you take a math class by the end of that math, if yeah. you take an algebra class, yeah. at the end of that, you should know algebra ad nauseum. As much as, as much as you can learn, you should have learned. Because you talked about algebra... A lot. But that's not what it means. I mean, semantics. A lot. That's like every square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. Okay. You can only get to ad nauseum by talking about something a lot, but a lot does not I'm mean not ad nauseum. Saying, I'm not saying... I've talked about hockey a lot. I don't know everything there is to know about I'm hockey. I'm not saying that it's a rectangle that's a square, or a square that's a... All squares are rectangles, not all rectangles are squares. I'm not saying that it's a rectangle, I'm saying it's a square. Continue with what you're saying. We've talked about it ad nauseum. Uh, I think that the reason Lobby was fired was because the team was a little stale. And I'm sure Poyle knew that there had to be a change and it was either going to be a head coach or him. And we've seen in the past, especially in the, in the NHL, uh, GMs are not afraid to fire a good coach if it will prolong their job's lifeline. I am wrong as to the definition of ad nauseum. What does it mean? Uh, it means you're more right. Not, <laughs> not 100% right. But I more am right. right. David is wrong. Referring to something first. that has been done or repeated so often that it has become annoying or tiresome. Ha, a lot. So, again, you're still not right. I mean, I'm Like, you right. have to talk about something a lot for it to become annoying, but talking about something a lot doesn't automatically make it annoying. I mean... So, I, you're still not right. You're I mean, just more right than I was. I feel like this is one of those not all rectangles are square, but rect, all squares are rectangles type thing. Incorrect. It is not. All, all, all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares? No, no. What you said is right, but I'm saying it, this is not that situation. Are you... Sure. Yes. How? Because you said it means you talk about it a lot. And that's not what it means. I mean, I think we all knew that that was an oversimplification. But if you, when you oversimplify, no, an oversimplification is 3 over 21 equals 1 over 7. That is a simplification. So, like... You didn't simplify it. You just misdefined it. Uh, I mean, listen, you, we can argue about definitions all day long, but if we gave both of our definitions to Merriam-Webster, Merriam-Webster would look at me and be like, wow, dude, you are really smart. You are clearly the victor. I don't think that's what happened. You have won this debate. Let's record both of us for an entire day. Just the words we say for a 24-hour period. Send that into Miriam Webster and see if they call you smart. 
I think that is a stupendous idea. Oh, Thomas. I know words. I know fancy words. Stupendous isn't a big word. It is. It is. A, it's a huge word. Stupendous is basically a colloquialism. You're a colloquialism. Do you know what a colloquialism is? Yes. What is it? And a, a colloquialism is like saying a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. That's an idiom. You're an idiom. <laughs> a colloquialism is a very common word or phrase. Which is ironic because the word colloquialism is not a colloquialism. Okay, hold on. So I get it. Like uh, saying that's a bussin'. That would be a current colloquialism. Okay, yes. okay. No cap. That is indeed a colloquialism. Dope. Yes, that is correct. Okay. okay. Swag. Not anymore. <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> 2012 <laughs> called it wants its colloquialisms back uh wasn't a colloquialism in 2012 coney i don't remember when coney was bro that was 2012 i don't even know what coney is if i'm being honest oh. there was a it got a lot like it, it was, it, it's like an island right no. Like no 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 okay so it was like this like coney minute... island yeah it's called coney island oh we're thinking of something different oh i'm talking about the african warlord oh yeah, we're thinking about something different. You don't you well, you never saw that in like twenty twelve, this like YouTube, Probably, but I have a terrible memory. It's like this ten minute YouTube documentary about Coney. Uh, Joseph Joseph Coney, who would like steal children from villages Jeez. and like force them to fight in his army or whatever. But uh it became this like huge thing because someone made a YouTube video and they like sold this like uh, package at the end of it and it was like you can or it was like donating to for the cause to bring down joseph county and you got this like wristband and like a shirt and they were going to do this thing that was like set for like 10 years from when they released the video where in 2012 they were going to send you all these posters and then one night in 2022 everyone was going to put the posters up everywhere did it happen? No. Uh, I can't remember the specificities of it, but nice. there was, something came out about the person behind the video or the person who owned the studio that put the video together, and it lost a lot of traction real fast. I almost think it might have been like a school project that was just like executed so well. Interesting. That everyone thought that it was a real thing. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you prepare big words for this podcast? Uh, no, but uh, you have me thinking I should start you've used, preparing You've big used words. ad nauseum, stupendous, and specificity, and you actually said specificity correctly. Yeah, and what's your point? I've only heard you say the word specificity twice. Every other time I've heard you try to say it, you said specificity. Specificity. Exactly. That's what I've heard you do every time you've tried to say it. Send an NNM. Don't touch the NNM. What? What are you doing? You don't remember from Finding Nemo? The sea anemone? Don't touch the butt? The, no, the sea anemone. The sea anemone? The sea anemone. The sea anemone. Marlin and Nemo. Nemo couldn't pronounce sea anemone. That was a whole bit in What's the movie. What's a sea anemone? 
it's like a little flower type thing that grows underwater and the how do you know uh because i saw it in finding nemo okay and they have like little tentacles that like shock you but they clean themselves with it but you couldn't get too close to it or it would sting you see someone needs to find his patience not nemo you're about to be a patient if you don't i don't need you coming at me right now okay i'm just trying to record this podcast all right why are you trying to get me off topic all i know is finding nemo fictional movie so anything that happened in finding nemo is like hypothetical right right you know what else is hypothetical what What's going to happen in the 2023 NFL draft? It is hypothetical for approximately 23 more days. You like that segue? I did. I oh, saw I saw where you were going with that. I I've was just going to keep pouring, I was just going to keep pouring gasoline onto this fire until you said uh, hypothetical and then I was like, "Oh, we're working again." Okay. So, uh, I have a hypothetical trade for you. You might have heard a couple of teams have been rumored to make heavy splashes, heavy rises. Yeah. In the draft, moving yeah. up. The Titans have yeah. been the hottest team, I'd say. About like a couple weeks ago, there was a report saying that the Tennessee Titans could be a sneaky team to move up. Now I'd say they're the front runner for teams moving up. Moving up to, they want to move up to number three. However, they're, they are not the only ones. The Raiders, the Bucks, also indicating interessantness on moving up. That means interestedness. Right? Interessantes? Interessanteness. That is not a word. Why not? Interessante is a word in Spanish. What does it mean? The suffix ness is very English. So you just mixed an English uh, suffix with a Spanish word. Oh, congrats. I'm Texas. Anyways. You're Tassus? Texas. Your English. Spanglish, you yeah. mean? I yeah. see. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Bleacher Report had a segment about this po- potential trade that it would take for the Raiders to move up from 7 to 3. Okay. Uh, obviously, the Raiders get the third pick. The Cardinals, in exchange, get the seventh overall pick. A 2023 second. Offensive lineman Andre James and wide receiver Hunter Renfro. Jeez. That is the price to move up four spots. That's too much. Uh, yeah. I'm, it's easy to say that for sure. Uh, I think if the Cardinals got offered that, they have to yeah. jump on it. Easy. But that's easy. too much for Vegas to give up just to move up four spots. I they mean, just they, signed Jimmy G. They're not going to get anyone at three that's going to be any good. I mean. Or better than Jimmy G. No, but they could get someone that makes things a little clearer on the road ahead following this season. I, see, I see this differently because I don't see anything good coming out of Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. I mean, it's not necessarily them getting Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. You can I mean, take Will Anderson? You think they're going to trade up that far and not take a quarterback? No, but I'm saying like you don't know what the Texans or the Panthers are going to do. There's a difference in what they should do versus what they're going to do. So I everything I have read. Okay. Obviously, there have been people who have said, like, Richardson has gotten a lot of hype. Yeah. Right? Will Levis seems to have fallen off a bit. 
Uh, a lot oh. of teams think he's narcissistic. See, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. A lot of people have had issues. A lot of teams in their interviews with him have had issues with his personality. And I will say that a lot of teams have named specifically the pictures he posted of his body uh, on his Instagram. And, like, my thing about that is, like, that's that seems like a weird thing to point at. Because, like, what do we know about this time of year? So, that that's not... What I've heard is it's been post-reception, or reception after he posted that. Ah. He got a lot of positive feedback, and it's, it's gone to his head. That's what I've heard. Everything I've read has been like he's arrogant, he's narcissistic, and these are from people who have done interviews with him, not... Right. And most of them are anonymous, like, whatever. One guy said he's got the personality that you're either going to love or either going to hate. Right. And I haven't a- seen anyone come out and say they loved it. Like, and, and like, I don't, I don't know anything about this guy. I have never met him. I've never even seen him in an interview. I don't know anything about him other than what his statistics say from when he played in college. That's all I know. So I, I'm not saying he has a bad personality. I don't know him. I'm just saying this is stuff that I have read. Right. Uh, multiple teams who have interviewed him, not just one or two, like seven or eight, have showed issues with his personality. Right. And when you have a franchise guy, you want a guy with a positive personality. You want a guy who's going to be a good locker room presence. We've seen what a cancer can do in a locker room. We have seen what... um, not great people have done to an otherwise great locker room. And uh, so a lot of people say that attitude was one of the big driving forces behind Ryan Leaf. Yeah. Like he said he like they he didn't want to talk to anyone. He expected to be praised like Although you should you should look up what uh Jim Ursay has said about Peyton Manning. He said we weren't interviewing him. He was interviewing us, and we loved that. <laughs> and I thought that was cool. Hey, fair that you know, honestly, dude, that's something I've heard about. Like what you should do in interviews, like not just in sport, but like even like in your job, like yeah, show that you're also curious. Like yeah. you want to be there. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Like like it's an interview for you, but it's also your one time to interview them. Yeah, like yeah, but um, a lot of stuff. Could happen in the draft. A lot of people could move up. A lot of talks with quarterbacks. I think, again, just the sense that I've gotten from quite a few different articles that I've read, it seems that Will Levis is pretty comfortably four yeah. at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and one and two seem to be pretty comfortably Richardson. Not Richardson. Uh, C.J. Stroud, Stroud and Bryce Young. Young. Yeah. I think Bryce Young is still technically the favorite to go number one. Uh. There's also a report that came out this week saying that a lot of higher-ups and executives in Carolina prefer Young over Stroud. But that still remain remain to be seen. Uh, either way... One thing I know about the NFL draft, or really any draft, and that is you can expect one thing, and that is for logic to not happen. Yeah. What I can say pretty comfortably is that I, in my opinion... I think two people are going to draft a quarterback way too high in Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Mm -hmm. And I think someone is going to get the steal of the draft when they draft Hendon Hooker. I think Hendon Hooker looks significantly better than both of those guys his last two seasons in college. 
And he has two seasons. Yeah. Unlike uh, Will Levis, who has like a season and a half, right? Um, but then, I don't know. He's got a better arm. He's got better legs. I think, than both. I think all in all, Bryce Young is still my favorite. But there's a lot that could happen. Uh, I've even I've seen things like the Colts willing to trade back, yeah, and take Hendon Hooker later. I've seen things like uh, I heard something like the Texans. This is something I just read today. The Texans are thinking about um, taking Will Anderson with the number two overall pick, and then trading back into the top ten to either get Levis late or Hooker early. Yeah, uh, which is you know, so like you said, anything could happen. All I know is I'm very excited for this draft. This is the highest the Colts have picked in a long time, and hopefully the highest they will pick in a long time. So I'm excited to see what Chris Ballard, who I think has just done a phenomenal job drafting for the Colts, what he does. Uh, looks like it's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, I'd and say I'd so. Really hope the Titans don't move up to three. Uh, if they do, they'll have to pay a pretty penny. Yeah. But listen. I don't know if your favorite player is going to get drafted to your favorite team. I don't know why your favorite player would be in college. I don't know, man. People do what they do. I don't know if you watched any of the uh, NCAA tournament. I hope the games that you watched, though, were good. Full of action. And Caitlin Clark. Which is unlikely unless you were watching Caitlin Clark. Fair enough. College basketball sucks. Fair enough. But uh, listen, I don't know about you, but uh, we're We're just just here here so we don't don't get get fined. fined.